Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to episode number 83 of the Basketball Card Podcast, an emergency podcast that today is brought to you by PWCC. PWCC has nearly 12,000 auctions ending Sunday, including 1,400 plus basketball basketball lots, tons of huge stuff, lots of stuff that you guys will be interested in. Um, I think that you're going to you guys are going to love looking at PWCC lots. Make sure you check them out. All right. Um, like I said, an emergency podcast today, guys, uh, and one that I've been thinking about uh, for a couple of days. I know those two things don't seem to go hand in hand, but hopefully as I describe uh, why I'm, why, what I'm talking about and what today's topic is, you'll understand that a little bit. This isn't actually a basketball card story, um, but it's a very important thing that's happening in the hobby right now. And um, I have lots of thoughts on it. I'm going to share them. They're mine. They're mine alone. They are not. <laughs> they're not the thoughts necessarily of any of my sponsors, or um, of anybody else. But they are my thoughts, and so enter at your own risk. <laughs> uh, something very important that's happening in the hobby right now, uh, in a story um, about a Michael Jordan game jersey, about um, my gray, the leading authenticator or one of the leading authenticators of game-used materials and one of the biggest um, Instagram and social media accounts in, in the, in the ho- hobby, which is card porn. Um, I want to talk about each of those and, again, share my thoughts. I want to start by acknowledging that I am no expert on game-used materials the way that I am with basketball cards. I can, I think, call myself an expert on basketball cards. If I'm not, I'm not sure who is. After 30 years in the hobby, starting the first basketball card podcast, working at a card shop for seven years, and um, transacting in millions of dollars of cards and collecting cards from every era, again, I think I can call myself a basketball card expert, but I can't call myself an expert when it comes to game-used materials. So I come into this episode humble as a card guy, but as somebody who understands that the world of memorabilia is most certainly a huge part and a growing part, maybe one of the biggest, if not the biggest, growing uh, elements of our hobby. And so it's a very important story. Um, But I'm humble here because there's things that I don't know, but I followed it pretty closely and want to share some thoughts with you. Um, Before I go any further, I think it's wise, if you haven't read uh, Darren Ravel's pieces from both August 30th and 31st, I would strongly recommend that. I do not know Darren. I've interacted with him very briefly on a few occasions. I do not know him, though. He's not somebody who I would call a friend, um, although I've read lots of his stuff. Uh, I know that Patrick Ryan, who I do know and who I've interviewed for uh, Basketball Card Fanatic magazine, um, that he is meeting with Darren Ravel uh, September 3rd, I believe it might be 7.30 my time, mountain time, if that's not right. Uh, I apologize, you can check out the P. Ryan collection on Instagram for more news about that. That will be um, on Sunday. I will un- be unlike- I'll unlikely be able to join that, but I will certainly watch it afterwards. You should check it out. With all that said, in the three parts today, I want to first really tell you the story um, in part one. In, story- in part number two, I want to talk about the card porn account. And in part three, I want to talk about what things stand out to me and what we can learn from this whole experience. And as always, I'm going to try to keep this short, hopefully around 30 minutes. Let's see if we can do it. Maybe it'll even be less. So the first thing that I think, since this is a basketball card podcast, let's first talk about photo matching. 
This is a um, process that you've probably heard of before, even if you're not a memorabilia person. But really what you need to know about photo matching is it's basically the idea that every piece of game used material has elements to it that are like a fingerprint. Um, that is to say, they have aspects that are individually and uniquely identifiable when you when you compare the actual piece of memorabilia to images, high resolution images found from a game. This is important because if, if this is in fact a process that can be relied upon, which I think most people genuine, who, who are deeply into this deep, deeply feel that it is reliable, um, that you can actually know that something that was worn in a game was, or something that you have in front of you was actually worn in an individual game. There's so many aspects to it. It's super interesting. Um, it's not just, you know, you, you might look at a jersey and think, oh, all those jerseys are the same, but the way that the um, stitching hits, the way that the mesh holes line up, the way that just all sorts of things can happen on the jersey and can be placed on the jersey, that they're individually identifiable. So... On August 30th, um, Darren Ravel wrote, a, wrote a, a story, and it was it was after um, a lot of discussion had been made already on a on a jersey that had been sold. Right, so a jersey was sold. Um, I should have written this down. I didn't, but and I sh I didn't write down where. I think it sold. I think it sold at Gray Flannel, but I don't have that information in front of me, so that may may be a mistake. But I believe it sold at Gray Flannel. A series of maybe a couple of months or a month or so ago, it sold for $26,000. The jersey was claimed to be a game jersey, a Michael Jordan, um, but the game jersey didn't come with it any specific photo match identification from um, an entity like MyGray. MyGray, it's spelled M-E-I-G-R-A-Y, um, is one of these entities that like that basically does the photo matching and says, Yes, we know for certain we're willing to certify this item really was worn, and these are the games it was worn in. So the, the jersey sold for $26,000, which is a really small number compared to what most Jordan jerseys might sell for. Um, for reference, Jordan jerseys, game jerseys have sold for over $10 million for a finals jersey, and um, other jerseys are largely thought to be you know, significant dollars and something from the playoffs would be worth well in excess of a million dollars. So what's really interesting is after the item sold, the item then a few weeks later was authenticated and photo matched by Migrate. And this, I remember seeing this, I didn't really think that much of it at the time because I'm not a, I'm not a game used material person. Um, I'm not a game used, like a, a jersey guy. I don't buy jerseys. I'm a card guy. I will always just probably be a card guy, guys. I love cards. But um, but this this jersey was photo matched and was believed to be from an Eastern Conference Finals couple of games, one in which Jordan scored over 40 points. It was a huge deal. And so in this article that came out on August 30th, Ravel really tells this story about this amazing um you know, authentication process, but then also identifies that there's like some things in here that people aren't as sure about. And he references 
a few sleuths, a few internet sleuths, right? It's always the community that finds these things, guys. Don't forget this. It's always the community out there looking and trying to find these things. It's not usually the, well, when we find out about it, it's not usually the authenticators. It's somebody who is a passionate hobbyist who's out there looking to sort of discover for themselves whether something is accurate. Well, there were people who had looked at the jersey and had compared them, had compared it to um, after it was authenticated by Migray, they looked at it and they said, but this doesn't line up with the, with the video and the images that we're seeing from those games that are findable. This doesn't, this doesn't seem like it's right. And so, you know, these internet sleuths what, did a lot to sort of show, hey, I don't, I don't think that this is right. Migray, though, had these two images that had been provided to them. And, um, and this is where the second article comes in. The second article, which comes one day after the first article on on August 31st, was titled, Michael Jordan Jersey Scam. Did fraudsters create fake foundation under dead photographer's, uh, under de dead photographer's name to inflate its value? At that same time, Darren Ravel also posted a lengthy email from someone at the Tony Rands Foundation, um, a letter or an email from that, from that person, that person's name in the email is Brittany. Um, this article on the 31st, I, I knew it was a big deal when I looked at the comments that, that said right away, like, this is a massive article. This is a huge deal. And so, and they were from some accounts that I really trusted. Um, one of them was from Will Stern. Will, Will somebody who I, uh, I know and communicate with. Um, I have communicated with at times. Um, sometimes you find somebody in, in the hobby and you go, oh, that's somebody who knows about things that I don't know about. I think Will knows, Will's a younger guy, but he knows about a lot of things I don't know about. And so I was appreciative to see his comments under that. And he, was, he said something like, wow, this is a huge story. And so... And when I read the story, the story and the art and the email from Brittany are super interesting. And I don't want to rehash the whole thing again. Please go look. But I'm going to try to highlight some of the key points. So Tony Rands, I hope I'm saying his last name right, was a photographer in the NBA. And he took lots of photos during the time that Michael Jordan was a player. Died 17 years ago. And the images that were provided to gray to um, my gray um, were images that were from the tony rands foundation well 31st article by Ravel, he points out that tony rands has been gone for 17 years and his son was reached out to for comment on the foundation and the son just flat out said there is literally and i should have the quote here but i don't but he basically said there is zero chance, there is no chance that this foundation was actually started by my dad. That's obviously a huge problem <laughs> because Tony Rands is, is the person who supposedly took these photographs. And again, these photographs were what Migray used to be able to authenticate the jersey. Migray... Um, said these are the re this is the reason why we're able to authenticate that this jersey is accurate and that it really was worn in a game 
and it turns out that this came from this that these that these photos that they also said in different places that they were able to sort of inspect the negatives it seems now that that's not the case that they never inspected any negatives so so part of this story is that Migrade, the leading authenticator in this space, definitely has a lot of egg on their face after this. It's not a good moment for them. It's not a good moment for the hobby in general, and I'm going to get into that later. I'm trying to go through the story right now. There's a lot to the story, though, and I'm sorry I'm probably not going too quick, but hopefully it, hopefully it, it is getting you guys somewhat caught up. So, so not only is this Tony Rand's, not only does his son like say, hey, my dad never set this up, but then Darren Ravel goes to find out that this foundation was actually only started last month or in July. So it's just barely been set up. It's pretty clear at this point that whoever set it up likely set it up just for the sake of um, you know, authenticating this $26,000 jersey and um, unfortunately for Migray, they took the bait, it appears, and um, it's really bad. The, le the article, the, the letter that Brittany wrote um, really like challenged uh, Ravel and said, you know, how could you, you know, how could you write this, this first letter, the one from August 30th, where, that sort of calls the whole authentication into question basically asks Ravel to, to say, hey, I made a mistake on this, but credit to Darren for really pushing on the 31st and getting that article out because um, you know, this photographer who's, who died 17 years ago, there's no record of, of, you know, of him setting it up and his son doesn't know about it and this foundation clearly is a whole hoax. Brittany is probably not really named Brittany, but somebody else... Um, the whole thing was was created to with the goal to get the jersey authenticated and then to be able to go and likely, and I don't know that, that, that we know that the jersey was going to certainly be sold, but had the jersey been sold, it would have sold for probably a million dollars more than it was purchased for, and maybe a lot more than that. And so, um, you know, as I heard this story, as I read it, I've been thinking about doing a piece on it ever since. Um, I, I thought I would do one of my talking headpieces that if you follow me on Instagram at the real 27 guy, you've probably seen me do on cards and things that are, are ending at auction. I do work for, for a lot of different groups. I've done work for PWCC. I'm doing work currently for PWCC, for Alt, for Heritage, for Leland's, for a number of other places too. And I love doing these pieces. They're super fun. Um, but I thought about doing something on this because it was such a big deal, but I kind of didn't want to do it because there's so many other things that are going on. There's so many other people who are sort of talking about it. And I've been, I thought about doing, I thought about doing sort of an explanation piece on it. And then I thought about doing a pod on it. I just didn't want to though, because then what happened as sort of, we got to this point in, in the process, I started getting messages from people saying, Hey, you know who it was, who was, who created this, this fake, um, Tony Rand's foundation, right? Right. It was card porn. And uh, that's where we'll take our first break and we'll be back in a second. You've probably heard about Alt, but have you registered for their auction yet? Twice a month, Alt features its liquid auctions event, which caters to collectors of all kinds. The platform is super easy to use, connects to your bank in minutes, and provides a super fun bidding experience. What are you waiting for? Register on Alt XYZ today. So, I hear that it's card porn. 
Um, frankly, I don't like the name Cardboard. Um, I don't feel good about saying it out loud, but that's the name on Instagram. So um, let's actually talk about talk about the account here for a second um, before we before we continue on with the story. Um, Card porn has been around for a few years. Um, the the account has grown significantly and has done all sorts of different types of content. Um, like a lot of media companies or media, um, I shouldn't say media companies, like a lot of big social accounts that have grown significantly in the hobby, they um, card porn has used other people's content to to grow themselves. Um, this is not uncommon. A lot of different accounts do this. This is not something that I do. And is um, I, I posted one time a box break that somebody else had done. I took that box break. I cut it down. I made it really cool. I gave the person, I referenced the person. But I realized that that's not really what I want to do. I don't want to be somebody who just creates something for clicks. I want to create content that is mine and doesn't steal from anything. But the reality is that if you want to grow your account to be huge, 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 a lot, one of the most, one of the easiest ways to do that is by reposting really popular stuff. And so, you know, card porn has done a lot of that. Um, I know they did that with a video of mine where I was showing off some of my base Kobe autographs. And then I had a video that I did where I sort of discovered that there was an uncut sheet that had been cut of 97 credentials cards I posted on my Instagram and card porn grabbed that too. There's some of these accounts. The other one that comes to my mind right right away is uh, the Eric Whiteback account on Twitter, uh, the collect collectible guru. These guys that that use that that are have really good eyes for things that will be interesting to collectors, and so they go and they grab those stories and they repost them. And sometimes the person who created the the um, content is really grateful for it because it it allows them to grow, right? When Card Porn shared my credentials video, it got so many views, guys. It was like tens of thousands of views. And then um, as part of that, like I got, I don't even know how many extra followers I got, but I got an extra couple hundred followers and I was like, you know, this is really cool. On the other side of things, they're growing significantly because, not always because of what they're creating, but also just because of sort of sharing other people's things. Um, he, hasn't, he hasn't just done that though. Um, card porn has has had a massive pull in the hobby. Has been part of some absolutely huge breaks. Um, has was there with uh, the Ken Golden and Drake. Um, a couple of their things that they did together, um, like the flawless break. The content the content is certainly interesting. Um, everything that card the card porn's posted, most of it has been interesting and watchable, and I understand why people are drawn to it. The avatar is recognizable, clearly has a great eye for marketing, shares breaks, shares other, you know, significant posts. And, um, you know, this, this account is somebody who's been, who I think most of us in the hobby know who he is and has been discussed a lot, right? It just certainly stands out. Over 100,000 followers in our hobby is a huge deal, guys. Um, I currently have a little over 13,000 followers. And I've spent, I don't even know how many, hundreds, thousands of hours sort of creating content. And, you know, have like 10% of the following of card porn. So um, 
is there a chance that Carporn and others that are that size have bought followers? Something that I have not ever done and never will do. Yes, that's another story for another day. But in general, I think that the account, although you're hearing a lot of things right now that say otherwise, the account has been one of the most followed in, in the card community over the last several years. There's really no question that that's true. So um, after I heard, now going back to the story, after I heard, after I read the story, I started talking to a couple of people who were saying, hey, Adam, this, this is going to be card porn. And they pointed to how card porn was there um, at the offices with the jersey. Card porn had talked on a video with the jersey, had taken pictures of the jersey and shared it, and had done it in several places on his, on his own accounts. And then when things started to get dicey, those pictures were all removed from his accounts. And the question then I think that people rightly asked is why would he be deleting these these images unless he was involved. Now, later, we heard more and more around this possibly being the case. And then um, we, received, we saw this tweet the other day that sort of confirmed it. Um, it says, Juan Garcia, the man behind the card porn um, handle who calls himself your friendly hobby watchdog, has deleted his Twitter. YouTube and Instagram handles after it has become clear that he was pulling the strings behind the photo matched Jordan jersey gone wrong. That also probably means that card porn was Brittany who was writing, um, or Juan as we can call him now, was right was writing as though he was this Brittany and was writing saying, hey, you know, like representing the Tony Rands Foundation. Um, when you think about the the elements here that are happening, um, I, I shouldn't laugh because it's not funny. I'm la I'm laughing because of the significance, the number of things that, that were involved. It was buying the jersey, creating a false, a false entity, representing that you were a false person, creating the fake images, um, getting migraine to buy off on all of those things. And there's. There was a lot of levels to the deception that happened here. This is not This is not something that just happened overnight. This is something where somebody who um, who has, you know, who has some sickness, who has something wrong with them is is trying to deceive the world about something that they have. They're then trying to turn around, sorry, that they may potentially turn around and try to sell for a lot of money. Um, it's obviously not okay. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words a little bit because you don't want to sort of... There's so many things you're going to read right now and hear from people right now about how bad of a person this guy is. And in general, I don't just like standing back and say, look at what this guy did. I'm going to get into that here, here in just a sec. So actually, let's take that as our, as our final break. I suspect most of you have been on MC Sports Cards items on eBay. At nearly 60,000 positive feedback, they're one of the biggest consignment companies on eBay. What you might not know is that they've started a focus auction for 1K and over items that end Monday nights, and they call it MC Mondays. 
dozens of huge cards end on Monday, all at open auction. You could check out the items by searching by seller and going to MC underscore sports cards today. So this last section I'm calling, how should we internalize this information and what does this teach us? I wrote a lot of notes on this section, more than I usually do. So I'll be doing some reading here uh, and some talking sort of at the same time. But I want to make sure I said some of, these, some of these things exactly the way I wanted to. So in both cards and memorabilia, we have a lot to learn. Every card um, or piece of memorabilia item may leave a fingerprint, as I talked about earlier, um, but, the authentic, but the authenticators aren't perfect. Um, and just deactivating a certificate isn't good enough. We see it in cards all the time, too, where a cert gets deactivated. Um, that's good. It's better to acknowledge it after you realize that you got it wrong. But the fact is that we shouldn't have to have people looking online to discover whether their thing that sits inside your case is legit. You should be able to know that by seeing the logo on it in the case of cards. Or in the case of the migraine thing, if that, if that jersey comes with that certificate, it should be real and there shouldn't be any question about it. Um, hard to expect something close to perfection, but given the prices that are being paid, um, you know, these companies aren't just designed to take your money and to give a certificate. They have to be actually providing a real service, and if they aren't experts on the thing that's in question, they should not authenticate it, and it really is that simple. Um, graders change, or uh, excuse me, Graders charge huge prices to say this is real, this is legit, but if they can't know that they're accurate, um, then I am afraid the most they can sell is an insurance policy. That's right, an insurance policy, which as far as I'm aware of, only PSA offers, and they certainly charge a great deal for that insurance policy. I have been critical of it because I do not like the idea that you should be paying a ton more just because something... You know, just because if something is proven to be f fake, that then PSA should be on the hook for it. No, that's why you grade the card. I have always felt that and um, applaud the companies that do not char do charge, um, that do not allow charge-ups. But having said that, in this case, it's like, well, at least if it was graded by somebody like Collector's Universe, there should be insurance along with it. And I get that, but again, I just don't think that's good enough. Um... This is a stain on card porn, card porn obviously. Um, their account has been deleted, or at least all posts have been deleted. Um, it's a stain on the hobby. It is a massive stain on Migray. Um, this is, for those of you who remember the Logan Paul incident with the first edition Pokemon uh, case, this is that moment for the, for the world of sports memorabilia. Authenticators are only worth their ability to authenticate and I know it's big business, and I know that profits get in the way of um, really, like, serving the hobby. And that will always be the case as long as we have a big hobby. Um, these places will, will see the dollar signs, and they will fail to do things right for the hobby, but will do them because it's good for big business. Um, I fear that those dollar signs will continue to get in the way. Um, and I, I, I think that's truer today than it was 10 years ago, and it'll be truer in 10 years, because I believe so much in the hobby and where it's going. Um, there's probably a lot of other things that I learned as part of this, and that 
we can do like with that information. Um, but I do want to leave the following comment because I think it's important. Uh, I never feel comfortable watching others dance on people's graves. I'm never going to celebrate when someone, even a guilty person, is found to be doing something really bad. Am I glad this was discovered? Yes. But there's a bloodlust that can, that's bloodlust that, that I can feel as I watch social media, and I don't think it's a very good side of humanity. I don't think it's a very good part of us. And I don't feel good watching other people celebrate. I don't. Again, those are thoughts by me. There's a movie called Ben-Hur. It's one of my favorite movies. It was made in like 1958. And um, there are two main characters. There is Judah Ben-Hur. Um, and he has a friend named Masala. And Masala and he are, are good friends growing up. And they care about each other. And they know each other's families. Masala gets really like called into power. So does Ben-Hur, but in a different kind of way. Uh, Masala is like over the Roman Empire. Or like over part of the Roman Empire. And um, Judah Ben-Hur is a Jew, and um, Masala has this really awful moment where he has a chance to help Ben-Hur in a moment where Ben-Hur didn't do something wrong, but it appears that he did. And instead, Masala sends him away to die. Um, he doesn't go help his friend. And then what's even worse is he lets his mom and his sister uh, uh, Ben-Hur's mom and sister go and wants them to go die. Follow me to the punchline here a little bit. I know this seems a little off, but he, he lets them, Masala lets them go die, basically. Well, spoiler alert to this movie that's 70 years old or whatever, 60-something years old, but Ben-Hur doesn't die. Um, he finds a way to survive sort of being a slave, and the two women um, survive, although they you know, they get leprosy and there's some other bad, terrible things that happen to them along the way. Um, and it's all due to Masala, this evil guy, not doing the right thing. And then you have this moment where after Ben-Hur comes back, which he promised to do, he comes back and he sees Masala and and they go to this, this is like the most famous scene in the movie, they go and they have this um, chariot race. And Masala... Um, is in an accident during the chariot race and is like is on his deathbed afterwards but it's not a it's not a pleasant scene to watch he's he's on this deathbed and he's like writhing in pain and it's funny because you've spent it's not funny it's 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 interesting that you've spent the last like hour and a half of the movie like hating loathing masala wanting him dead just thinking he's the worst guy in the world and then you see him like writhing in pain and the the scene sort of goes on and on for a second and he dies. And you would think after everything he did that that it's a good thing that he's that he's had to go through these things and you'd feel like, oh, I'm so glad that that happened to him. But I can't speak for everybody who watches the movie, obviously, but I think most people who watch the movie don't have that feeling because it doesn't it doesn't do us good to dance on people's graves. Even people who hate you or people who are your adversity or adversary, excuse me, even even people who, who want the worst things for you in the whole world, it doesn't make you better 
to to dance on their graves. It doesn't. It doesn't make you happy. Like, I know that's true. Again, just some life advice from Adam. Uh, no, I know I'm, like, compared to some of you listening to this, I'm a young guy. There's lots of things I don't know. Right, 40-year-old, father of four, just take... That's my, that's my two cents. Um, even people who hate you. All right, this is... This is how I would apply this story to card porn right now. This is not somebody who's my friend. This is not somebody who I know deeply. This is not somebody who I am making any excuses for. Because I am not. I am with all of you guys. I think the odds that he is not, not only complicit in this, but the mastermind and everything else, I think the odds of that are very low. But I don't think it does us well to dance on each other's graves. And I see a lot of that in the hobby right now. And so... I'm going to take that for what it's worth. It's significant fraud. Um, it is significant fraud that, frankly, Juan, the guy who is represented by the card porn name, should thank his lucky stars was discovered before selling the jersey. Because assuming he was going to sell it, then you're looking at, multi, at a million dollar, potentially multi-million dollar fraud. And then you're looking at real, real problems. And it easily could have been. That's easily how it could have transpired. Um, deception of this magnitude is um, something that puts you behind bars. But frankly, any kind of deception is not okay. Um, this word deception is one that has stuck with me over the last week or so because I had someone accuse me of being, quote, deceptive in one of my reels recently. And it hurt me. Um, he basically said, hey, I just watched this reel. I thought the whole thing was educational. It was super educational and interesting, but when, then I, when it got to the end, I realized the whole thing was just an ad. And he was really upset at me because I posted something that taught him something that he really liked. But then at the end, I also told him that it was something that was available for sale. I could not disagree more with him. Um, that was not deception that was storytelling and then telling the interesting parties where to buy the item and no i don't feel badly about that at all it's something that the auction houses need and something i love doing i love telling those stories i love doing the teaching behind them it's so much fun um and i'm going to do it as long as i possibly can and fortunately the auction houses that i've been doing for doing it for really like them too so um that's not what we're looking at here though what we're looking at here in this in this instance is real deception. Um, it's not okay. The closest equivalent in the card world is producing an entirely fake card and then s selling it as though it was real. Um, people who do this are fraudulent, and I cannot more strongly relate how not okay it is. It is the worst part of our hobby. And it's a reminder that even if you are an ultra-successful guy, which... Everything about this card porn guy tells us that he, he is that. He's a very successful guy. Professionally, he's done really well for himself. Regardless of how well you do, there is a chance that there will be a part of you that is willing to be incredibly evil and selfish as you attempt to make more money, gain more fame or prestige. But again, two cents by Adam, those things will never actually make you happy. The things about the hobby that will make you happy, though, are many and huge and and very and diverse. And 
um, you know, you, you, it's the best hobby in the whole world. But the, the thing that I think that we really have to learn from this, and this is what this whole section is about, is that, um, that we as people are susceptible to being tempted to do things that are really bad. And um, I hope that nobody who's listening to this will ever find themselves in a situation where they say to themselves, I know I'm going to do this thing and it's going to make me millions of dollars. Even though it's totally illegal, totally wrong, totally lying and deceptive. Um, and, and, um, and then when, and then when that moment does come where you feel that like, ah, this is something that I could do, realize that it just is never going to be worth it. Cause even if he would have gotten away with this, I'm telling you, and I know that there are people who are not going to believe this, but it just is never going to happen. It's never going to make you happy. I've worked with some of the wealthiest people in the world. I mean that. Like literally some of the wealthiest people you could ever know. Um, for those of you who are listening for the first time, uh, in a previous life that's not that long ago, I worked uh, in private equity and worked with some of the wealthiest investors that you could ever meet. There is zero correlation. I promise you this is true. There is zero correlation between huge wealth and joy. Once you have enough to be comfortable, there is no correlation whatsoever with how much money you have, how much money you make, and how happy you are. There's none. I know that's true. I've known it for years. It's still true. It's been proven true over and over and over again. This guy had the whole world. And he just... <laughs> He just did something really stupid, guys. And I feel sorry for him. So with all that said, I think the other thing to learn here is that the authenticators are still and probably will always be imperfect. We need to demand more of them. The story, again, I, I, I just, I feel for my gray because they, because they really have egg on their face here, but they've got to be better than this. I mean, they have to be to accept images that were provided, you know, by this entity, and then not do that that background check, not do all the research that was required, not receive the negatives that they say that they that they said that they did receive. I mean, it's a really bad moment. And so, and with all that said, we could talk about this one forever. This went way longer than I planned on, but you guys knew that it probably would. Um, I hope you guys liked this emergency podcast. Again, go listen to Patrick tomorrow as he talks to Darren Ravel. Uh, if you're listening, you're, you're very unlikely to be listening to this on September 2nd. So go listen to, to Darren Ravel and Patrick on September 3rd. Go look at the P. Ryan collection on Instagram. Um, make sure you do your research on these things. Learn as much as you can. Don't spend crazy amounts of money without really knowing what you're doing. And encourage everybody to really do their due diligence and be safe and learn everything that they need to along the way. All right, guys, you guys are awesome. I hope that next podcast is a lot brighter and happier than this one. Uh, and until then, happy collecting.
Thanks for listening to the Basketball Card Podcast. Reminder to subscribe to Basketball Card Fanatic Magazine at bcfmag.com. Remember to use discount code BASKETBALL10 for 10% off any item in the store. That's bcfmag.com.